Welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Each week these idiots pair cocktails with comic books. You can find the cocktails, drinking game rules, and playlists on the blog at funnybooksandfirewater.com. While at funnybooksandfirewater.com, you can also find a drinking game rule to play while you listen to each episode. You can follow us at FirewaterCast on Twitter, and FunnyBooks and Firewater on Facebook and Instagram. This is episode 159, Akira, part of our motorcycle month. I wanna rock! <laughs> and that's where I cut in right We're there. We're gonna rock out with our cocks out! <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not till Pride Month. That's, we're not Wait, there yet. Ladies on the show, they could jam out with their clams out. There we go. <laughs> so, I don't know if we've had the discussion on the show, but we've been trying to figure out what the female equivalent of a uh, cock block is, and I like clam jam personally. I, I like clam jam. I've heard clam jam. I like yeah. actually uh, twat swat. Uh, beaver dam? Yeah. The beaver, beaver dam! Yeah. 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 Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Jason, I love you. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> So Maybe we have had this conversation before. I don't remember. I think we have. Yeah. But uh, so I've spent all most of yesterday and all of today watching the Star Wars YouTube live stream from Celebration with panels uh-huh. and all a bunch of stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I texted her earlier, but I can't go to Galaxy's Edge because I will become a resident. Yeah. No, I would. I would love. Um, they showed off. They showed off the uh, if you've watched Clone Wars or Rebels. Um, the anim- they showed off the animatronic for the first time seeing him in live action anywhere, Hondo. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's Hondo. It's it's a real person. It's <laughs> and Jim Cummings is doing his voice and it it's uh, 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 I can't say that I'm wet because I'm dehydrated from all the fluids that have come out of my body. I came to. <laughs> I'm just shooting like powdered milk right now. So if, if we're you know, talking about Star Wars, uh, you know, powdered as- blue milk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are you going to be able to get? If, it, if it's blue, you go see a doctor. Um, <laughs> you know, but as, this, as we record this, you know, the the trailer for Rise of Skywalker came out yesterday, mm-hmm. and oh, are we I, recording? Yeah, yes, we're, <laughs> we're two minutes in. Um, so you know, I, I got off Facebook. I just I log in to post up for like. Funny books and Cinema Queens and this kind of stuff. And my life's been a lot better since I decided to issue social media. But apparently people are bitching about the new trailer. And honestly, I don't know what they're bitching about because I haven't seen it. But dude, how fucking amazing was that? Like the scene when Leia hugs Ray, I fucking bawled like a baby. And so funny thing about that, because I watched, well, I watched part of the panel yesterday. I started it late and Mm -hmm. then... Sometimes on, on YouTube, when there's a live stream and the actual live part of it ends, it'll just cut the stream and yeah. you have to wait till they upload it. Um, but they were talking about how they put her in the movie. And they're like, we didn't want to do CG. Um, and what J.J. Abrams was saying is they took, they had a lot of footage that mm-hmm. was cut from Force Awakens. And they were able to repurpose that footage to fit the story for the new movie to use her in it. Yeah. And it, I was talking with uh, Chris about this, is that, you know, the year everyone died, you know, the one death that yeah. really, really, I mean, because David Bowie was a huge one, and we were all hanging out, actually, you, me, Maya, uh, well, Maya, me, and Jimmy, and Kat, and everyone, when we saw the news, actually, it was the Nine of the Golden Globes. Yep, it was the Nine of the Golden Globes. And we stayed at, like, three in the morning watching David Bowie videos. That one hurt, but Carrie Fisher was the one that gutted me, because as much as everyone watched Star Wars as a kid, and, like, you know, I'm Luke, I'm Han, like, you know, Princess Leia, for me, was my hero. And going forward in life, Carrie Fisher 
was, you know, she, obviously she had her demons, you know, she died of an overdose, or, no, she uh, died drowning in moonlight, strangled by her own bra. Yep. Uh, but she was the, one of the first people to be fully open and honest about mental health issues and addiction and what yeah. she went through. And if, if you've not seen it, it's on HBO Go or whatever you have. Uh, Wishful Drinking was her one-woman show. And it's hilarious. It's heartfelt. It's heartbreaking. If you've not seen it, it's like an hour, hour and a half. Definitely check it out. It's it's just fantastic. So the scene when, <clears throat> considering episode nine was supposed to be her movie, because like she was going to be the focus, focal point of it, and the fact that she's not here for well, that. And then that makes sense, because Han was kind of the focal point for Force Awakens. Exactly, Luke yeah. was kind of the focal point for Last Jedi. Yeah, so it was kind of like, you know, the, the, the final trilogy of these three main characters. The fact that she's not with us just fucking sucks. And, yeah. you know, I mean, her mom died of a broken heart three days later. So it's... You know, missing her is a big thing, and but yeah, but being able to see her finally, you know, give Ray that hug and Ray's crying, like I was driving down the road, bawling like a baby. So, don't do that when you're driving down the road. By the way, don't, <laughs> don't watch YouTube videos. <laughs> do you want me to edit out any illegal content from this episode? No, because I was listening to it. I wasn't watching. Oh, okay. I can neither confirm nor deny that. So. <laughs> Okay, and, we, we talk about, and it's only illegal if you get caught. Yeah, and we, we, we talk about Chris getting high on Senator Queen, so it's fun. Because he, he doesn't. He's a good Christian girl, so. Uh, he just, okay. just reads well, about getting high. I was going to say, but we're not here to talk about Star Wars, because I could probably record a whole podcast from the last two days worth of shit that I've seen. I could record a whole podcast on that fucking trailer. Yeah. So anyway, Star Wars, there's, Star Wars. There's, there's, there's a new version of the Tantive 4 Lego set coming out. That looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't even play the uh, the Star Wars miniatures game, but I want that fucking executor. It it's like as big as like two months. It's like as big as a table and costs two hundred bucks, but I want it. Okay. <laughs> so, um, sorry, I'm sick. This is gonna be weird. Uh, but welcome to episode one. Yeah, one fifty nine of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. Um, I'm your sexy sounding host with the nine hundred number Ooh. voice, uh, Brian. <laughs> I'm a sound designer based out of Southern California, and I'm doing some stuff for Lyric, and I might be doing some stuff for Netflix that I'm not allowed to talk about, so there's that. That's fun. Uh, I'm, I'm doing things in reverse order, because you know what? Fuck it. I don't feel good. We're going to make this work. Uh, so, um, the man in desperate need of an executor we have, Mr. Adam. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. And uh, Darth Vader sculpt from, uh, was it Celebration? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I have a friend down there that's been trying to get it for me the last two days, and she uh, gets it because she's there for work, uh, gets there and says that they've sold out in like the first 15 minutes of the floor yeah. opening. I, I assume this is the same friend I know. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, Editor-in-chief, playing cool. Uh, hey, guys, this is Adam. I uh, the reviews editor for Big Show. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry, we got Star Wars in right now in my show. Me shit. This episode is going to take forever. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're not going to talk about this book. We're just going to do introductions yeah. for an hour. We're going to talk about Star Wars. Reviews editor for Big Shiny Robot. Also, figuring out stuff with uh, Borders Hell Podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Andy. Hi, Andy. Uh, also over at Cinema Queens, our brother, sister, wife. Sister, sister wife. Podcast, podcast. Uh, Cinema Queens. S- sister fucker. <laughs> with uh, Chris. Oh. <laughs> hey, Chris. Uh, and, uh, wait, oh, wait, this isn't Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm your sister. I'm your sister. I'm your sister. Uh, which we might uh, be doing something kind of fun with during Pride Month. And uh, you can also find me curating our grinder scruff and tights with a Z account. 
Awesome. Uh, also looking for love in all the wrong places, specifically the tights with a Z account, we have Mr. Maya. Am I? I don't know. I'm making shit up. <laughs> well, you're a wrestler, so. Hey, uh, I'm Maya. Fucker, <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> follow, follow me on Twitter at Mr. Maya. That's M R M I A H. Or Instagram, the Mr. Maya. Uh, you can also follow my cat uh, on Twitter and Instagram at It's the Jonesy. Uh, and then if you're in Salt Lake, um, I'm kind of off and on getting back into wrestling. Uh, check out UCW Zero, and uh, yeah, if you want some good local wrestling or want to come come see me do something, uh, it's not uh, as we record this that there's nothing set in stone as to what actually I'm doing, but uh, yeah, come check it out. See Maya in the leggings. Do you wear sexy leggings, Maya? I you. Usually wear like the biker short style types. Hmm. Um, that might be sexy enough for me. I'm trying to decide. I'll think about it. Um, also, uh, <laughs> I have to put them in this order because otherwise the Batman laws of the this podcast right. will break us down. There you go. So we have to start with our Hollywood elite, Mr. Jason. God. Uh, hi, yes, I'm Jason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, writer in Los Angeles, uh, temporarily working in the game capture department for a trailer house, uh, but I am here to also give you your weekly WGA update that is about three weeks old by this point. Um, so moments before the existing 43-year-old agreement between writers and agents was set to expire, uh, in early April, the ATA came back the table and asked for an extension that lasted officially until uh, midnight this morning on uh, April the 13th. Uh, the two sides met a few times this past week, but no resolution was actually met, and the new agency code of contact went into effect. Uh, as of last night, writers were starting to send out letters to the agencies in a mass firing. So we are in uncharted territory as of right now. Oh, wow. Ooh. Yeah. It's exciting. I'm just excited for uh, Ruining Your Life on TV Season 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, Ruining His Life and the second that has to go in the Batman order, we have Mr. Todd. I don't know why I said you're ruining your life, but you can make something up. Well, you know, I've got a child now, so some people would say that ruined your life. It's been pretty great. Yeah. She sleeps a lot, eats a lot, drinks, and she lets you know when she's not happy, and everything revolves around her. It's like something you want to strive for, but she just starts <laughs> that way. Yeah, it's true. So everything starts out hunky-dory great, and does it go downhill from there? Yeah. Yeah. So... But yeah, I'm Todd. You can find me here on Funny Books and Firewater. Sometimes we do another one called English Class Hooligans. Yeah, we gotta get our <laughs> shit together. About as frequent as bored as hell. At this point in time, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's still something we want to do. It, yeah, it's there's just it's just life. Know, whatever. Life, life gets the better of you. Yeah. So that's where we're at. Okay. Uh, cool. So this week we are doing Akira or Akira or Akira. What else, what do they call it in the anime? Akira. 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 Okay. Yeah. Like the car. Uh, yeah, that's what's it's. Yeah, that's <laughs> anyway. So uh, this is part of our motorcycle month, Mr. Todd. Do you want to give us a quick little heads up as to what this book is? So I've been thinking about this. I've got a niece named Marissa who's twenty and has never heard of this. So I've had a what about that? I know. I mean, she went to Lagoon to check out cute boys when she was younger. I do that too. She is good for you. <laughs> so they're all, they're all in tank tops. It's cute. Yeah. So this is a. Uh, 
Japanese-based story of a dystopian future that's set in present day about a bunch of punk kids in a biker gang that come across a military um, program that takes other young kids to give them superpowers and their friend gets caught up in it. He kind of gets infected or he takes pills for it. And then wackiness ensues because the military wants him back and people are running away. And the title of the book is about a character you see next to nothing of. Yeah, you, that's you, also true. The, the character's alluded to, but I, you never actually see I would assume it, the character shows up later. It does. Yeah. Because <laughs> what is it? it does, six, yes. six volumes? Yeah. That's the whole thing? Yeah. Well, have you, have you not seen the anime? No. You've never seen the anime, really? Really? No, nope, I'm lying to you. Of course, Are you I, really? I, I, no, I haven't okay. seen it. We actually we, we talked about it yesterday. You you even said like you wanted to maybe watch it before we recorded, but yeah, I felt time constraints. Uh, so here's the thing: you need to watch that movie at least twice because like I watched oh, it once, yeah. I thought oh, okay, whatever, and then I watched the second time, I was like, oh, I oh, I get it now. So actually, I <laughs> wanted to watch it again because uh, when the Blu-ray came out, they relocalized it and used new voice actors for the English dub mm-hmm. because in the original uh-huh. one, the guy who did the voice of Leonardo from Ninja Turtles, the cartoon, did the voice of Kaneda, mm-hmm. and apparently the new ones. You know, it's, it's better localized and better voice actors. Uh, the anime is the grandfather of all anime. You know, it's it kind of set the bar for decades, even. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's got great cinematography. It's batshit insane. It makes no sense. So, what's also fascinating with this, and Game of Thrones is in a similar camp, is this first started coming out in 1984. Mm-hmm. The series didn't end until the 90s. But the movie came out in the 80s, and the guy who wrote and made the anime, the comic, made the movie. Oh, really? So the movie uh-huh. is basically the first part and the last part. And yeah, it combines the, the... Yeah. So the But all the ending is really flushed. The middle is flushed out, and the things that are slightly touched on in the movie that makes you go, what? Is a bit more spelt out. But, but yeah, There's a lot of missing pieces yeah, in the anime. The um, What's the adaptation? Is the movie the adaptation of the comic? The comic started yes. first, but there was no ending to the years the after the movie. Yes. <laughs> and then does so at what point does it flip over and then the manga becomes the adaptation of the movie? But it's the same creator, same writer. Yeah. But it's ending in the same place, started in the same place, okay. but it got all gooey in the middle. Mm-hmm. I'm gooey in the middle. I know. It's been a while, that's so nice, so. so yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, so we're going to need some drinking game rules for this book. Uh, so we will start with uh, Mr. Jason. Uh, kind of a Dick is the title of my drinking game rule. And every time uh, Canada is a dick, take a drink. Uh, mine is also a, a Canada joke uh, reference. Mine is O Canada, which is every time they say the name Canada, spelled K A N E D A, take a drink. Uh, Mr. Adam, what is yours? Uh, so mine's called Simadana. Every time someone uh, yells or screams, take a drink. Okay. Uh, Mr. Todd. Mine are um, rushing lines. Every time you see a panel where there's a lot of lines that it. Like they're running. They're running or something, moving fast and quickly. Take a drink. We're going to yeah. kill everyone. 
Okay. Well, Mr. Maya, speaking of killing oh. everyone, what is your drinking game rule? <laughs> so mine is called Pill Poppers. Uh, anytime that there is a visual or spoken mm. reference to pills, and uh, fuck you all once per panel. Once per Ooh. panel. Oh, wow, you're just being evil. Speaking of evil, this drink is evil. I'm pouring more. Isn't it amazing? Though? It's amazing, though. Yeah, I hate tequila, so. Well, Todd, what is the myification for this book? This is fucking weird. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking, honestly. Speaking of fucking weird, let's jump into votes as to whether or not we think that it is worth you, our dear listeners, hard-earned time, money, and effort to uh, hunt this book down and give it a read. Uh, Mr. Adam. Yes, absolutely. Mr. Jason. Yes. Mr. Todd. Yes. Mr. Maya. Sure. (laughs) And I'm staying with it, yes. (laughs) Well, so you have drinking games. You have everyone saying you should read this book, but you're going to need some music to put on in the background. Uh, so, Mr. Maya, what is your song for the playlist? Uh, Sandstorm by Darude. Okay, Mr. Adam. I saw, I saw him spin that live. Really? Went to a rave in California, yeah. A long <laughs> ass time ago. Uh, mine is uh, Psycho by System of a Down. Okay, uh, mine is A Real Hero by Electric Youth. Uh, most famously probably known from the soundtrack of the movie Drive, FYI, in case you're trying to remember. That movie is- that movie is perfect. Yes, there it is. is. That no movie is awesome. Movie. Uh, and Mr. Jason. Uh, Eclipse by Pink Floyd. Cool. And Mr. Todd. Fist of the Year by Skrillex. Fist or first? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's first of the year. Okay. Um, we'll find out, I guess. Okay. Uh, Todd, Todd's on his third drink, so. He's on his third drink. I'm on cold medication. This is just going to be weird. Actually, this is kind of perfect for this book, to yeah. be honest with you. We're all a little wacky and bizarre. Uh, well, yeah. so you have music, you have the votes that say yes, you have drinking games, but you need, before we let you loose to go read this book, uh, and we all recommend that you should, we need some cocktails. So, Mr. Adam, what is your cocktail? Uh, so mine is called Fuck Up My Head, uh, kind of a boozy, a more boozy take on the pina colada. Uh, you take one ounce of dark rum, one ounce of amaretto, two ounces of pineapple juice, one ounce of coconut cream, and a bunch of ice. You blend that all together until it's nice and slushy and delicious. You pour it in a hurricane glass, and then you float two ounces of 151 on top. Okay. And, and garnish with a So if wave. you drink that using our drinking rules, you will die. You will die, yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it seems, it seems kind of fun. You know, we've, we've done some pina coladas, but this one's even boozier. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Uh, mine is called the A-Bomb, which makes sense in the course of this book. Uh, it is one-third a shot of Bailey's Irish Cream, one-third a shot of Kahlua, one-third a shot of vodka, one-third a shot of Tia Marie. You're going to stir all those ingredients over ice and then strain into a chilled cocktail glass. Uh, Mr. Jason, what is your cocktail? Uh, mine is called the Tokyo Mule. Uh, take one and a half ounces of vodka, one ounce of unfiltered sake, uh, three quarter ounces of spicy ginger syrup, and four ounces of sparkling water. Or you could replace the last two ingredients with maybe four and a half ounces of ginger beer if you like. Um, then uh, half a cucumber and half a lime. Add your liquid ingredients into a copper mug over ice, and then use a squeezer to get the juice out of the cucumber and lime and stir it to enjoy. Okay, that sounds actually pretty darn tasty. Uh, Mr. Todd, do you have a cocktail? I do. So I lifted this from Distinguished Arts YouTube channel. He does a bunch of different cocktails, and it's actually a Game of Thrones thing, but it was so awesome I'm going with it. It's called the Nance Raider. So what it is is an ounce and a half of tequila, half an ounce of mezcal, half an ounce of an orange liqueur, Quattro would be nice, and a half an ounce of a sweet vermouth. And you want to go ahead and put in two dashes of an Angostura bitter, 
um, two dashes of an orange bitter, and then you want to take a rind of a lime and squeeze that over the top of it. And then you're going to um, put that in. You're going to stir it, put it in a low ball glass with an ice cube, sip and enjoy. Enjoy. It's a very booze front drink, and it makes no apologies, and it's delicious. It is. And how many have you had? About an inch. About an inch? So like an eighth of me. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, I don't hold it. I don't hold it half for no one. (laughs) Okay, Mr. Maya, did we get your cocktail? You did not. Hey, can we have your cocktail? You may. Okay. Would you like to share it with us? (laughs) (laughs) Proceed. (laughs) Yeah, so mine's called uh, the Olympic Torch uh, for reasons you'll hear when we're talking about the book. It's one ounce of Camarina Respado Tequila, two dashes of classic bitters, a half ounce of spiced orange syrup, two ounces of group champagne, a half ounce of lime juice, and uh, an optional orange twist uh, to top it with. The instructions are to mix the tequila, bitters, syrup, and lime juice over ice in a cocktail shaker. Uh, shake the shit out of it, strain it into a champagne glass with the champagne, and then top it with the orange twist. Cool. Uh, awesome. That's everybody, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. sure. Cool. Well, then we're going to take a brief break while uh, you guys can go pause the podcast and go give it a read, and we'll have a little uh, ad from one of our sister brother podcasts. <laughs> uh, I believe this week or month it's the Night Hawks podcast. So yeah, uh, it, well, I guess, is there any forewarnings uh, or previous warnings before people get into this book that we should give people a heads up about? Yes, there is one uh, incident <clears throat> of sexual assault. It's very quick and completely inconsequential to the story or the characters, uh, but it does happen. Okay, valid point. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, you should totally read this book on acid. <laughs> <laughs> Did that work for you? No, I didn't on acid, so. Okay. Sure. Then, then how do you know they should read it on acid? Eddie told me. <laughs> Moving on. So uh, so we'll take a brief break, and then when we get back, we will spoil the living shit out of it. So you have been forewarned. While we take a break, here is a message from one of our fellow Hello Sweetie Network podcasts. Hi, everybody. This is Matt. And I'm Trevor. We're the co-hosts of the Nighthawks podcast, a movie podcast for people who like to stay up late. We've just joined the Hello Sweetie podcast network, expanding our podcast empire and bringing the world to its knees. Take a seat in the Nighthawks diner with us. We're going to talk to you about movies. We've got new movies, old movies, movies we love, movies nobody loves. You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, and at nighthawkspodcast.com. Hey, that was pretty good. Do you think they'll listen? Uh, The good ones always do. Stolen from Wikipedia, now yeah. performed <laughs> as a uh, as a beat poetry jam. Nope. <laughs> With interpretive dance. With interpretive dance. The interpretive yeah, dance. The interpretive dance will be done by Mr. Maya. Uh, just trust us that that's what's happening. Uh, <laughs> if you want to see it outfit. in his if you, outfit, if you yeah. really want to see it, you can subscribe to my Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I pay five dollars. <laughs> I'd pay money for that. I think you really should start a Patreon for that. Interpretive dance of many uh, things. Uh, interpretive dance of the summaries of our comic books. Yes. <laughs> Onlyfans.com. This reminds me of the landlord from Big Lebowski. <laughs> yes. Okay. Maya, are you ready? I'm not ready. I, I, you're interpretive dancing. Are you ready? Trust sure. us. Sure. 
There we okay. go. I'm ready and naked. Okay, good. Uh, Mr. Jason, are you ready and, and naked as well? Let's go with yes. Uh, why don't you go ahead with the summary? All right. So the uh, manga of Akira starts with an, uh, establishing the state of Neo-Tokyo by describing the apparent nuclear explosion on December 6, 1992, which destroyed the previous Tokyo and started World War III. The story fast forwards to 2030, where the new metropolis called... Uh, Neo Tokyo has been built on an artificial island in Tokyo Bay, gripped by anti-government terrorism and gang violence. While riding in the ruins of old Tokyo, Tetsuo, uh, a member of the motorcycle gang led by uh, Kaneda, is injured when his bike explodes after Takashi, which is an esper, uh, a psychic child with wizened features, blocks his path. This incident awakens some psychic powers in Tetsuo, attracting the attention of a secret government project directed by a colonel. These increasing powers unhinge Tetsuyo's mind, exacerbating his inferiority complex about Kaneda and leading him to assume leadership of a rival clown gang. Uh, meanwhile, Kaneda becomes involved with uh, a woman named Kei, a member of the resistance organization which stages terrorist attacks against the government. The resistance, led by Kei's brother Ryu and opposition parliament leader Nezu, gets wind of Colonel, the colonel's project and a mysterious figure connected with it known as Akira. They hope to use this leaked information and try to restrict Kaneda's movements after he becomes too involved with their activities. However, when Tetsuyo and the clowns begin a violent citywide turf war, Kaneda instigates a counterattack that unites all of Neo Tokyo's biker gangs against Tetsuyo. The clowns are easily defeated, but Tetsuyo is nearly invincible because of his powers. Tetsuyo kills Yamagata, who's a high school um, uh, high schooler in this gang, uh, led by Kaneda, um, and he. Uh, oh, something cut off. Okay. Um, yeah, so he kills uh, Yamagata and. Um, uh, survives being shot by uh, Kana, uh, Kaneda after taking um, this uh, strange uh, medical capsule that the government uh, was trying to get him to take. Uh, so the colonel arrives with these powerful drugs uh, that are needed to suppress Tetsuyo's violent headaches, and they extend him an offer to join the project. Okay. It's very convoluted. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But that's a, that's a pretty straightforward explanation of what happens in this so just a couple of yes. things happen in this. Yeah. <laughs> just a few things in this small yeah. volume. I, I will say, though, that... It, it, of, of 360 exactly. pages. It, it is that long, but it is... I mean, I, I don't know how you guys found it. A pretty quick read. Um, I agree. Yeah. yeah. yeah Not only because it is uh, broken up in, in a lot of panels that don't have a whole lot of dialogue, but there is uh, a lot of forward momentum to the plot. Yes. Yeah. I, I find manga in general pretty easy to read and pretty quick to read, to be honest with you. Maybe uh, maybe that's just me, but like I've always found that that's a pretty fast read for me, and this didn't necessarily change anything on that. But well, also anyone you know kind of intimidated by manga because you know it does read uh, right to left, back to front kind of thing. Uh, most versions of this, aside from the fancy one that Todd has, uh, is printed like a normal comic book. So if you are kind of like I kind of want to get into this, but I'm not used to the whole manga thing. Honestly, after 10 minutes reading a traditional manga, like I'm, I'm fine with it, uh, but you can pick it up and read it how you would normally enjoy a graphic novel, so don't worry about that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think 10 minutes is actually more than you really need. I normally, it just takes me like a page or two, and then you're good to go. But, you know, it's how it goes. Well, cool. Who has some thoughts that are just desperate to get off their chests on this one? Don't all jump in once. <laughs> uh, it's you know so so this was so 
remember way back in the day, it was like you had like the the stupid like little uh, uh, subscriptions you can get where like you paid ten bucks for the first movie and then it was like twenty bucks a month and I'd ship you random shit. The Columbia House, like Columbia. yeah, mm-hmm. they, they did one for anime back when I was a teenager, and the first one you got, the one that hooked you in, was Akira. Uh-huh. And so that was the first. I mean, I anime I'd ever seen aside from like you know Voltron or the stuff you saw as a kid. So it was kind of my introduction to this kind of hyper realistic, violent. Uh, Japanese animation, which I, I didn't know what it was, and that kind of kicked me off into liking other stuff like Ghost in the Shell and um, Your Name and other things that have come out. As I mentioned at the beginning, the movie makes no sense. The movie is batshit insane, but it's absolutely gorgeous, and everything about it has set a standard for anime for the last you know almost 30 years, if, if not more than that. And I was, I've always wanted to read the actual books about it, but I remember when I was a kid, I went to Barnes & Noble, and I was like, oh, shit, there's six in the series. How about I'll never get through that. And so the fact we got to read this to th- this this week was really incredible for me, because I've always wanted to know the story behind it. And I like the fact that even though this does go off the rails and is kind of insane, kind it makes, of? Kind of, it makes <laughs> a shit ton more sense than the anime. So yes, you, it does. Yeah, so it, it kind of explains things more, and as Todd mentioned, you know, the, the guy who made this made wrote the anime, and so it kind of combines ideas from book one and six. I really want to see what's in between, though, because that's, like, the story I've never gotten, and that's the story I want to see uh, and find out, you know, who Akira is, you know, more what's going on with Tetsuo. uh, And I I will say the anime does a fantastic job of actually bringing these characters to life because they look exactly like their comic counterparts. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, it's a fun read. It is really fast. I I finished up today uh, actually at Barnes & Noble. I was drinking some coffee and I tore through like 200 pages in less than an hour. So it's, it is big, it's thick and it's heavy, but at the same time, that's what she said. (laughs) I know, right? I was going to say it and I chose not to, Uh, but no, this is, this is a great book. It's, it it is weird. It doesn't, it's not self-contained at all because obviously this is setting up Mm -hmm. this new universe and telling a story of where we're going to go. Uh, but I definitely want to pick up the rest and, and see where the story goes. Cool. Uh, Mr. Todd, what are your thoughts? So, hold on here. Reading this, the movie as well, because for me the movie is so much tied into this material, is this was one of the first animes I ever saw, and it was such a mind fuck. You just watch mm-hmm. the end of it, and the um, ending of the movie is bizarre. Obscure and a bit existential. Extremely mm-hmm. existential. A bit. Uh, a bit. And it was just one of the things that just kind of stayed with you. I remember watching this in the basement of your house, Brian. Do you? Yeah. And we had a 100-inch TV screen, which back in the day was a big deal. It was a big deal. I love that place. Yeah. But it really, it stayed with you as you were watching this and what's going forth. And you, what you have are these physically, I mean, they're teenagers. So they've yet to have physical full maturity. And you've got these other characters going on with Takashi and some others, and they still look like they're wizened little kids. And they look like miniature old people, but yet they still have the, um, they're still children. Mm-hmm. They're still children, and they have these amazing powers, and they are children. And then you've got this biker gang of misfits, and they're dealing drugs and they're whatnot, and... There's all this angst going on, and you have Tetsuo, who isn't the leader, and he's frustrated by this, and this event comes forward, and he is getting more powers and whatnot. He's like, well, I'm going to be the leader now. Aren't I awesome? And it's missing the points of what leadership is. 
Mm-hmm. It's all about me, 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 me. Aren't I awesome? I have these powers now bow before me. And it's leadership's not about that. And for me, a little bit watching is the story of humanity. I, I really see this corresponds to um, childhood's end by Heinlein. Mm-hmm. Did he write that one? Or was that Clark? Clark. Arthur C. Clark. Nerd. Wrote childhood's end. And that was another story of um, humanity making the next evolutionary jump and leaving the Earth behind. And as you watch this, it's kind of like the same story through a Japanese focal lens of that you got this angst, you have this uh, bomb that went off and such a cultural scar in the Japanese culture. And this thing just starts off as you're just seeing this blast. The very beginning, it's just yeah. like you open the first page and you're like, and Tokyo's destroyed. And then it lists all these other cities. Like, um, World War Three is happening 30 years later, 38 years later. Now, here we are today, and we're in the ragged ashes. And it is modern, but it's, um, it's kind of a pale form of what it once was. Because all of that was scraped away, and people are more left to themselves because the ravages of World War Three. So as you're watching this, it's yeah, it's this tale of is humanity growing up yet or not, or is humanity still the small child throwing this tantrum? <laughs> and are they discovering, you know, like oh, I got keys to Dad's sports car. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. We're going to fuck it up. And that's kind of what Akira is. And see, I also see it as a, uh, you know, the whole story almost like a, as a metaphor for adolescence. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you, you know, this bomb goes off, which you know, we can say is puberty, and all of a sudden everything is changing, you're coming into your own, you, you know, you've got this new identity going on, you've got these new thoughts in your head, and you're becoming independent, uh, and you don't know how to use it. You don't mm-hmm. know what to do with that. And so you lash out, and you act like an asshole, because, let's, let's face it, teenagers are assholes, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're, you're just, you're not sure where to go in life. And eventually, you know, you, hopefully you mature and become an adult and, you know, do your own thing. But much like Tetsuo is, like, he, he's taking advantage of what he has and he's using these new powers to do what he wants. And I think a lot of us, when we go through adolescence, we do the same thing. You know, we're, we're you know, we're little assholes and we, you know, we're trying to be our own and be independent, but we don't know how to do it. It's like, it's like watching a little kid learn how to cuss. Like, mm-hmm. they just throw things out there not knowing how to use it properly and... They'll be an idiot because they're just not sure how to handle that newfound power. Mm-hmm. I I kind of thought of it in a way of like, what if Superman was a dick? When he's growing up and discovering these powers, <laughs> which is what Brightburn is that the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, is it James Gunn? James Gunn produced it, yeah. Or produced it, yeah. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm tired. Uh. For me, I had never, I had always heard of Akira. I'd never read it. I'd never watched it as we, as we uh, discussed earlier. Um, I didn't, I knew absolutely nothing about it other than their, the main characters. I didn't even know they were kids. I thought, I, you know, had always thought they were adults. Road motorcycles. Like, that's all I knew. Well, they get into a bar pretty easy. So, yeah. Obviously, yeah. you know, Tokyo doesn't care about the age limit. No. Um, you know, and the reason I just kind of said sure, like, I didn't hate it. Uh, I liked it quite a bit, but I didn't love it. Um, just because, for me, it went up and down so much. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're going to build to this, and then come back down. And we're going to build to this, and then come back down. And, and like, 
for me, it was almost like a roller coaster reading it. Like I was tired by the time I finished reading it, and not just because it was long, just because it was like, okay, we're doing this, and they're running from the government, and then come down, and then uh, they're fighting Tetsuo, and then coming down, and then I was like, this is exhausting. <laughs> actually, actually I, I almost wish I knew Japanese because I would love to read it in the actual Japanese mm-hmm. because it feels like the translation. It's almost like the difference between watching anime subtitles and watching and watching it dubbed. Yeah. It feels like it's a dubbed book. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see kind of how it was, you know, in the original language because there's lots of parts that kind of just seem like, huh? It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's like off. Like they seem like they're there and don't quite belong, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um. And was it was it Kaneda that his 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 yeah. hook his huh? The movie says Canada. Canada. Was it him that his uh, girlfriend or whatever was the school nurse hooking him up with pills? Like, hey, I'm pregnant. And he's like, cool, can I watch? Like, you're a fucking (laughs) asshole. He's a a much bigger asshole in the book than he's in the movie. Yep. That's saying In in the movie, you root for him. But in the book, you're like, like, dude, fuck this guy. Yeah, I'm like, is he supposed to be the the main character that I'm supposed to like? Because I don't like either of the main characters. Yeah. Well, and I mean, talking about the movie for a second, I don't know if anybody else had this feeling, but when I've watched the movie, I've always felt like, at one point in time, I'll always feel like, oh, I understand this now, and then I'll keep going for another five seconds, and I'm like, nope, I don't get it anymore. Like, like I love it, but it's confusing as all hell. And like, just when you start to think you understand, like, I think specifically, and it's not in this book, but it is in the movie, of the giant figures bleeding milk, you're like, yeah, I think I understand what this means. But then it continues on, and then you're like, maybe I don't understand what this means. (laughs) Yeah, toward the end of the anime, when uh, Tetsuyo's trying and unable to control his powers is definitely when it... uh, It goes batshit crazy. A little, yeah, yeah. Um, Especially in the stadium and after finding Akira, and yeah. Um, But going back to, uh, I think um, a couple of you guys have have talked about the relationship between... um, power and using it responsibly and that sort of stuff. And I, I, I think I mentioned this to, uh, to Todd mm-hmm. and Brian a couple of weeks ago. Um, something I've always been struck by is the relationship um, that the U S and Japan have both used radiation or nuclear energy in their stories uh, differently. Um, for example, in, in our country, obviously we, we uh, show energy blasts or radiation uh, to somehow create superheroes. But in Japan, it creates a monster of devastating power like Godzilla or Akira. Um, and obviously, they have a very different relationship to it because we dropped two yeah. bombs on them. Um, yeah. And you can see that that uh, very um, unique perspective on that, uh, specifically at the end of the anime, in which Tetsuya becomes this grotesque creature of uncontrollable destruction. Spoiler. Um, no, I'm kidding. And, and the ad- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and the idea that uh, there are people who either uh, want to control it or try to control it um, is all just a giant folly. Um, yeah, I've, I've always appreciated that mm-hmm. perspective. Well, I think the, I mean, the thing that I always took away from it too was it was before 9-11, it was always interesting that you would see these Japanese films and they would have this sort of tie into the atomic bomb or whatnot. And then like post 9-11, I think you see that a little bit in our culture as well, like you see films that sort of have references in some way or another to uh, the Twin Towers and things like that, mm, you know what yeah. I mean? Which is kind of interesting. So like it, it's you can see like this cultural scar that 
takes on you know a, a very large life. Yeah. For well, actually, you know, yeah. randomly talking about nine eleven, so. Twin Towers is, um, you know, when the first Spider-Man came out, the initial trailer had him catching <clears throat> these robbers escaping in a helicopter, caught in a web in between the Twin Towers. Yeah, they had to cut the, it out. Yeah, they, they, they cut it out. And the first poster was Spider-Man peering around a building, and in his eyes, you could see a reflection of the Twin Towers as well. And when 9-11 happened, they they scrapped all those. Like, you know, they, they reprinted them without that. Mm-hmm. I have that poster. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, it's in storage right now. And so like, I, don't, I don't, it may not be worth anything, who knows. But it was just, it was interesting to see, as you mentioned, how much, you know, that one day has changed our lives. And obviously, you know, it, it was a, a big deal, but how it changed pop culture and changed entertainment and art in ways that, you know, we don't even think about. And like, I worked back then and we had to go through and there were a ton of CDs and movies had pictures on them. And we had to pull them all and send them back because it was, you know, it was just a, this horrible day, of course, but it was just, it was, it was a really surreal moment. To, to, and you know, we, we've got high school don't even know what that is, nor weren't there. And what's interesting about that is the, the age of these characters are all quite a bit younger than the event that started this book. So much like 9-11, you have everyone in high school, people signing up for the military today were not alive when 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. And these kids here were not alive due to that major event that so shaped severely everything going on. And for them, it's just the way it always is and always has been. Mm -hmm. And they don't see anything from that there. And I do find it's like taking these pills, the colonel's going to take these pills, we can control it. And yet it preserves the adolescence and yet they're getting old. So it stops progress. So I I actually had a question for, because you've read the whole thing, right, Todd? Uh, no, I have not read the entire You have not? Okay. No. You just own the Badass Edition, so. Have you read more than the first volume? Yeah. Okay. Maybe you can answer my question. Was the site of the Olympics more of a smokescreen just to have a secret base? Or did the colonel decide to ha- put his secret base on the side of the Olympics because he knew no one would be... Read the book. Okay. So it does get answered. So looking at that, the... Um... Yeah, with the Olympics and whatnot, and even I think I commented on this on a previous show, is in Neo Tokyo here, they're getting ready to host the 20, I think it's 2020 Olympics. And that's actually... Which is actually where the, the 2020 Olympics are actually in Tokyo. Are yeah, actually and, in I, Tokyo. and I, I thought I saw somewhere that they were doing uh, Acura, like, uh, advertisements... Yeah, or like, well, like uh, banners. They've been sort of, painting them. Yeah, the, murals or something. Yeah, yeah. They're with all the construction. They're hiding the construction with these walls. Yeah, and on the walls they have painted Acura, Acura um, things covering it up. Yeah, know, just kind of as a rad. nod of going. Yeah, there's totally that reference. Yeah, in the in the manga, it's uh, 2030. Um, which it? takes, yeah, uh, in the anime, it's 2020. I don't like it. They changed the book. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Uh, one thing that the um, writer and artist of the manga uh, mentioned is that um, it's it, uh, largely a story about marginal members of society trying to find their own way. Um, and I think that's definitely uh, strongly portrayed in both Kaneda and Kay as literally kids who are uh, swept up in this uh, political movement to try to um, stop something terrible from happening, one for a very personal reason and one for more political reasons. Right. Yeah. Uh, anybody else have any other thoughts they want to bring well, up? Well, I'm also, you know, again, we're, we're talking about the anime a lot. I'm interested to see what they do with the live action yeah. reboot they're kind of doing with this because yeah. Taika Waititi is directing, mm-hmm. which 
after Thor Ragnarok and what he did with, you know, Flight of the Concords, what we do in the Shadows, I have full faith in him. But they're really changing up the story a lot. So Kaneda is not in the back of the <coughs> He owns a bar. Tetsuo is his brother. Uh, and it takes place in, Man- in Neo-Manhattan mm. after New York City was destroyed by, you know, a comic bomb. Or I, I think we find out Akira was one behind everything. Uh... You know, this is the thing that this movie's been in production, pre-production for years. Like, you know, it's the one that was never supposed to happen. Um, Has so, bounced around a couple of studios too. Studios, directors, everything else you can possibly imagine. Like, it's is it? It's almost like the uh, the Gambit movie. Is it still going to be Manhattan? Because I, I know he said that it's definitely going to have an Asian cast. It might be an Asian cast, but it takes place in Neo Manhattan. Okay. That's like the, the official synopsis put out a couple months ago. Uh, but again, it's Taika Waititi. Yeah. I have a lot of faith in him, so I you know I. I'm hoping it'll be good, but at the same time, it's got you know some some big boots to fill. Yeah. So, sounds a little bit familiar. I mean, and Ty, I enjoy Tiger too. But you've got Lindelof doing a bit of a reimagining of Watchmen, mm. and it's keeping the title, but it's making a whole bunch of changes going on. Oh, for HBO. For HBO. Yeah. yeah. And it's well, from my understanding, I, is it's not adapting Watchmen. It's just more set sequel. in that universe. Yeah. And but calling it Watchmen. Yeah. And I'm one of the, like the five people on earth who actually love that movie. So uh, I, I like the movie Watchmen. I just don't like Lendl Law. Um, where was I going with this? Well, what's interesting with that? It's a true adaptation. It's taking the tone, and that'll be an interesting thing to see. And I get calling it Akira because it is such a touchstone. But at the same time, I mean, if it's trying to just like wear a different thing, calling it that, I mean, just call it a different thing. Well, it sounds like it's going to be the same story where Tetsuo, you know, eventually develops his powers and goes on a rampage. Um, it'll be interesting to see, though, if they... I'm hoping they don't do, like, a almost like a remake of the movie. I want to see them mm-hmm. tie together more of what we get in the manga, yeah. or manga, uh, and kind of tell the story we haven't seen. Because, you know, I, I haven't read more than this this first volume. I want to read more. But I know there's layers and layers and like mountains of content and plot I don't know because you know when you make a 90 minute movie you have to gloss over a bunch of that so makes you want to give this to HBO and just say oh yeah do like it's anything with Harry Potter like have HBO make a fucking Harry Potter series you know spend you know each season is a year you you, you could do a lot with that so Mm. Uh, one one more thing I do want to say is uh, well it's it's hard to not get uh, caught up in talking about how um monumental the work was in terms of uh, introducing a cyberpunk political story that resonated with a lot of people um mm-hmm. i do want to point out that it it treats its female characters pretty poorly um mm-hmm. as maya mentioned the first uh, female character that's introduced is Canada's sort of drug hookup and sort of girlfriend um and he just mm-hmm. flippantly reacts to her news of being pregnant and just sort of bails on her at the next page uh and then as we mentioned before the break, uh, when uh, Canada meets uh, Kay and they have to hide away somewhere, he uh, forces himself on top of her and then puts his hands under her shirt. I mean, it, it's used as a ploy to get the gun from her so he can get out on his own, but it's probably the shittiest way that he could have done that. Um, and then, uh, I mean, in later volumes, apparently they do develop a romantic relationship. So I'm curious to see how that is handled. Um, but even one of the Esper is one of the um, sort of kids with wizened features is a is a, a girl, but she is the only one confined to a bed and seems to be the most fragile. Um, so it's it's interesting that uh-huh. it's the story of all of these 
incredibly powerful things, uh, and yet all of the women seem to be put in the worst possible situations. Yeah. That's a valid point. So this is written and illustrated yeah. by the same person, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Someone. So we'll we'll do. Uh, well, okay. So for our grades for uh, for self-contained, uh, what is your grade, uh, Mr. Jason? Uh, F. Okay. It's the beginning of a much larger story and only ends on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mr. Todd. Yeah, it's an F. Okay, uh, Maya. F. I'll go with an F, Mr. Adam. Uh, F as well. So okay. we're all F to. <laughs> okay. For writing, for what is the writer's name? Katsuhiro Otomo. Okay. I'm not going to pretend I can pronounce that because I will just butcher it. Uh, okay. What is your grade for writing, um, Mr. Jason? Uh, a minus. Uh, I mean, it's a fantastic book, but uh, you know, the sexual assault and female characters aside, uh, it is still a classic. Okay. Uh, Mr. Todd. I want to give it an A. There is some shortcomings, as Jason has pointed out, but the singular vision... And the epic scope of it is phenomenal. Mr. Adam. Uh, I'm going to go with a B. Uh, everything Jason and Todd said is true. This is a fantastically written book. It, it, it does a great job of world building and setting this up in a place that's familiarly unknown. But as I said before, I, I really wish I could read Japanese because I feel like there's something missing in the translation. And that's not really the, the fault of the writer, but it kind of feels like that there's something kind of off. So, again, it feels like an English dub of a Japanese anime. Okay. Uh, Mr. Meyer. Uh, I'm at a B for the same reasons that Adam just gave. Okay. And I'm at a A minus. I really enjoy it. It does have slight shortcomings. Um, but other than that, I think it's it's uh, very well done. Uh, so then for art, uh, what is your grade, Mr. Todd? Oh, it's an A. Okay. So it's the same guy that did the pencils and the ink, and it's it's epic. And some panels are crazy detailed, and sometimes the backgrounds are much lighter as it's going through. But the ability to have like the movement and the rushing on a static page is fantastic. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Adam, uh, I'm gonna go with A as well. You know, the the one thing that kind of struck me with this book is that it is black and white, mm-hmm. but it yeah. seems vibrant. Like there's a life, there's a life to it, and that's. You know, we can look at other famous comics that are black and white, like Walking Dead, that as good as it is, doesn't have that sense of life. And it was just really interesting to read through this book and, you know, watch it almost come to color in your mind. And, you know, it's it, it's playing out this movie in your head that whether or not you've seen the anime, it still flows. And as Todd said, it makes this feeling of motion with like, the motorcycles and the action. And it's... It, it's a really hard concept to grasp until you've read it, but it really stands out, and it's it's some of the best art I've seen. Cool. Uh, Mr. Maya? Uh, yeah, I'm in an A-. Uh, you know, everything was drawn beautifully, you know, that's been mentioned before, like the action and everything. But for me, what really did it was the detail on the, the different subjects uh, and how they looked all withered and kind of... And the titties. Yeah. And that too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, just the amount of detail in some of the pages in this book is crazy. Yeah. Okay, uh, Mr. Jason. Uh, I'm an A as well. I mean, it's it's got uh, really good, distinct character designs, uh, kinetic action and reactions, um, a nice sort of realistic cyberpunk aesthetic, which isn't too futuristic or outlandish. It's still pretty dirty and harsh and 
uh, depicts a world closer to our own than we'd like to admit, probably. Yeah, cool. Um, and I'm also going to go with an A. I don't have anything else special to add. Uh, okay, so oh, for overall... Comment on what? It, the art really seems to avoid the cliche. Mm, yes. Yeah. And some things like I'm going, I'm going stylized or overstylized or things like that. Sometimes it can be a bit like cliche or there's um, oh, rub life. There's a type of video. Yeah. And it avoids all of that. It just navigates it beautifully. Well, and it's also interesting considering that like sometimes you read these classic books and they inspired so much work that they weren't cliche when they were developed. Mm-hmm. But they, there was a, a cliche that developed from them. Um, this one has a certain amount of restraint that I think it inspired. You can see where it inspired some of those ideas, but it it is cohesive and restrained enough that it didn't necessarily fall into that category itself, which is kind of interesting. Okay, we didn't even talk about the design of the bike, uh, which um, is, is sort of that that nice mix of uh, futuristic sci-fi stuff in the actual design of the bike itself but then it's got all of these bumper stickers and uh brand logos on it just slapped on top of it sort of muddying it all up but it it feels very authentic yeah for sure they have a canon uh, (laughs) canon citizen honda yeah yeah also um, i'm on amazon right now so i'm looking at the, the next books in the series and what's really interesting and i'd be i really kind of want to look through your book todd is that the edition you got has the relocalized translation. So I'd be interested to see if my problem with it feeling like a dubbed anime goes away and, with that one. And I know the hardcover has like the original sound effects as well. Yeah, sound effects mm-hmm. and the you know, traditional right to left. Uh, I don't have 180 bucks right now, but it's definitely something I would love to uh, invest in. Huh. I, I do want to see if my, my quibbles go away with the, the relocalization. And actually, I'm going to go probably go buy the movie again because I, the version I have is the it's VHS. On Hulu. Oh, it's on Hulu? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what them. Just Watch said last night. Yeah. So. Well, never mind then because I have Hulu for a dollar a month right now. So, Cool. Uh, for overall grades, um, I'm going to go with an A-. Uh, just like I think it's really, really great. Um, I think the only real weakness is that you, it makes you want to uh, read more of it. Um, and there is a little bit of context uh, issues, or con- uh, but uh, yeah, and the main character kind of assholes in the book. But uh, Mr. Jason, what is your grade? For me, it's, it's still an easy A with Emma Stone. <laughs> okay. Hey, that's Clark's Hollywood Fresh. Nice. Uh, Mr. Adam. I used to see your titties in the paper. Uh, this- <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great movie, by the way. Uh, for that reason. For that reason. And among other things, uh, no, I, I'm with Jason. This is an easy A. This is a fantastic book. I it's one of the ones that I kind of feel annoyed that I haven't read till now because obviously I, I'm in love with the anime. I I know I should have got into it, but it kind of seemed intimidating. Again, for our, our listeners, you know this this is a big book. There's a lot of books. It, it can be intimidating knowing that you have to read right to left, but at the same time, if you do get the American version, it's it's a typical graphic novel. And there's so much to unpack here, and there's so many metaphors. I mean, we dove in and spent you know 20 minutes talking about the basic ones, and I'm sure you could probably write a dissertation on everything right into the story. And I cannot wait to go read the rest of this. It's the one I want to hop onto and find out what's going on. So it's it's not quite Wicked and Divine level, but at the same time, this is a classic. This is kind of up there with like Watchmen and you know books you need to read. Uh, and honestly, new beginners can hop on. This isn't. You know, this isn't like where you've got to spend 30 years mm-hmm. diving in. You can if you want to, 
but you can enjoy it just as like even a new comp creator. So highly recommend it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, Mr. Maya. Uh, I'm at a B plus. Um, you know, I liked it and I, I really enjoyed the art, but um, I don't know. There's just, like I said before, there are a couple of things about it that didn't quite fit for me. Uh, just like the pacing and uh, that that feeling of stuff might be missing because of the translation. Um, With the pacing, how much do you think it's due to serialization? That could be, because I didn't realize until I was flipping through your book that it was originally uh, published, mm-hmm. like serialized through a magazine. Um, and that, that very well could be where, you know, every 10 or 15 pages... It climaxes and then kind of goes back down again. So that I, I didn't even think of that. Um, but still, for me, uh, yeah, I'm at a B plus. Okay. Uh, and Mr. Todd. Oh, it's an A. Okay. Um, then that gives us a GPA of three point eight, which is just below an A. It's technically an A minus, but uh, so technically an A minus, but I think is fair for what our assessments were on that. Uh, does anybody have? Oh, see, so what are we doing next week? I don't remember. What we're That's doing. a good question. Are we doing yeah, are we like badass women writers? Is that what we we're, are, doing? we're doing? Yeah, we're doing women writers next week. Uh, we're starting next month, and I'm looking up the list real fast. Yeah, because of, I know what it is. Yeah, I should probably write these down. A lot of them were books uh, that I hadn't even heard of. Yeah, we we went. Uh, we we went. Uh, not necessially obscure, but we, we, we dug deep. Okay, so uh, first book is going to be called Through the Woods by... I have it right. Emily Carroll. Yes. Emily Carroll. Um, then the second book we're going to do Becky Clunin's By Chance or By Providence. Then we're going to do Kelly Sue DeConnick's Pretty Deadly. And then we're going to finish up with My Favorite Thing is Monsters. What were we, what were we doing third? Pretty Deadly? Mm-hmm. Pretty Deadly, yes. And what was the last one? My favorite thing is monsters, and only one of those books I have read before. So only one of those books I've heard of before. Which one is that? Pretty one? deadly. Oh, okay. Well, so yeah. So uh, Todd, have you read this? You've read Through the Woods, right? I have. Okay. So what are we expecting for next week? So Through the Woods is four small stories unto itself. The uh, most striking thing about it is it's the. Um, it's graphic novels, right? But it's crazy graphic. It sticks with um, hard primary colors. The blacks are super blacks. The red is crazy red. And it's a little bit of re- little red right head and stuff going on through there. And the terrors of what the forest can be in growing up. Cool. So that'll be next week. So yeah, next month we are doing uh, Written by Women is the name of the month. Uh, and uh, yeah, does anybody have any recommendations? Uh, yes, I do. So uh, this was like, uh, it's a board game called Sorcerer. I uh, backed on Kickstarter like two years sure 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 and it finally shipped uh it's kind of it's it's kind of a deck building game basically you take the role of an evil guy trying to take over the world and you're battling against your fellow sorcerers in london but what makes this really cool is that you create a deck that's randomized based off three things so you pick your character you pick your lineage and you pick your domain so you one game you might be asmodeus the hellbringer of Egypt or something like that, and then depending on, you know, the next get randomized. It's really, really cool. This is actually a remake of a game that came out uh, a couple years ago. Uh, it's utterly fantastic, though. The, this, the, play, the play is deep. 
it's fun, it's entertaining, the games don't last too long, and it's a really unique take on the whole deck building, magic gathering kind of thing because you'll never play the same game twice. So it's, if, I think it's on pre-order right now, you can pick up the uh, the main game for like 40 bucks, I think off like Miniatures Market. Uh, the, there are expansions out there. I got a bunch for backing it on Kickstarter Summer. You need Kickstarter, so tough shit if you didn't do that. But it's really, really cool, and uh, it's actually one of the top games on Board Game Geek, uh, Board Game Geek right now. So check that out. Okay, Mr. Todd, you have so a So I was watching The Orbal, which is thoroughly enjoyable, but the most recent episode called Sanctuary, I noticed, was directed by Jonathan Frakes. And it even has Deanna Troy as a school teacher. Nothing was focused on it, but it's just a little thing that made me laugh because it's all these Star Trek references throughout it, and it's not Star Trek, but kind of this. He directed uh, either one or two really good episodes of Discovery this season mm-hmm. and last mm-hmm. season. Yeah, I'm, I'm catching up on that. So I think he also did a movie called Clock Stoppers or something. Cock Stoppers, <laughs> Twats Waters, Beaverdam. Okay. Uh, Mr. Meyer, do you have any recommendations? Yeah, so last couple of weeks or so, I've been getting into the Arkham Horror games that Fantasy Flight's been putting out. Uh, and kind of, they've built their own lore and universe around, you know, Lovecraft's kind of Cthulhu mythos. Um, I just got this book called The Investigators of Arkham Horror that is basically all the different characters you can play across all their different board games and card games, and it's like a backstory to each one, about three or four pages each, but it's this big hardcover book um, that's really cool, and I recommend any and all of those games and this book. Okay. You know what's funny, actually, cool. is uh, Arkham Horror 2nd Edition was my introduction to like adult board games, not in the sense that they're naughty, just that they're... Yeah. You know, the, the intense... Not Candyland. Not Candyland. And I actually really do want to go pick up uh, Arkham Horror 3rd Edition because it's the streamlined version because 2nd Edition would take 6 hours to play. So I've never actually played a full game. Looking it up, I, th- I think I saw 3rd Edition takes 4 to 6 hours. So yeah, streamlined knocked about 2 hours off. Yeah, and plus the 3rd Edition you can do uh, one player too. So Cool. Um, I got nothing other than Sudafed. I recommend Sudafed. <laughs> no, you need to go get the good stuff and make meth out of it. Uh, yeah, no, I'm good. Thanks. Uh, cool. So, uh, I think that'll do it for this week. Uh, join us next week for through the woods by Emily Carroll. Um, as we start our month of, uh, women writers and, uh, if nobody else has anything else, I think we'll put a fork in this one. Sounds good to me. Okay. We'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 Thank you for joining us. Please read us on whatever service you listen on. And remember, at least we're not cinema queens.